Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. Today's Irish Tech News Podcast is presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. And you can follow me on Twitter at TECDR. And now, a word from our sponsor, Agora Pulse. We know how hard it is to juggle all the things in your business. Accounts, meetings, the never-ending inbox. That's why we've teamed up with Agora Pulse to give you more than five hours back a week when it comes to managing your social media marketing. No complicated Excel docs, long emails, or millions of open tabs. Simply manage all your social media channels in one place. Go to www.agorapulse.com forward slash Irish Tech News to get one month free. Now all you have to do is figure out how you want to spend those spare five hours. Hi, welcome to Tyrus Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Guy Rigby, who's a consultant with Smith & Williamson. How are you doing, Guy? Very good, thanks. Good morning. Good morning to you. Now, tell me a bit about your, about your background. Uh, golly, well, uh, it's been a long one, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, I'm 67, going on 68 now. Uh, so I started my training as an accountant working in a music business, actually, in 1971. And I think it was the fact that it was a music business that kept me interested. Yeah. And uh, things have really moved on from there. So during my career, I've been, uh, I became a chartered accountant in 1975. I went into industry, came back, started my own accounting firm, uh, built that up and sold it done a few things like that, invested in a few entrepreneurial yeah. businesses, and uh, now we're, um, we're, we're arriving at the end, the, the end game now, you know, coming to the end of that. Well, to me, it seems, it seems like you've had a good journey along the way, because you've done various things, and each time you, you've done a journey, you've gone down a different path, like sort of in, in music industry, and then to be where you are now is, is kind of interesting enough, it's great to see that you've actually never stuck the same path, always wanted to get a new challenge. I think that's true. Um, I, I'm, I think there's something called a seven-year itch. It's probably yeah. more like a ten-year itch for me, but yeah. uh, but it but it but it definitely happens, and you do need to reinvent yourself every now and again. Yeah, because the same with if you look at it, uh, people invest in, they guarantee you that every five or so years, they're going to re- reinvent what they were. If you look at like like Facebook, what they were to what they are now is so dear, so different. When it started off, there's something different than what they are now. Absolutely, absolutely. Same with Google. When Google started off, this search engine, right now, the morning, they're probably right now one of the world's biggest advertising firms. Oh, it's a fantastic business. I mean, uh, it's become a verb, hasn't it? We Google it now, don't yeah. we? Um, and I, I, actually, I've always said, I know that Google came from, you know, some mathematical term, but yeah. I always thought about it as going, going to ogle something. Go yeah. ogle. Doesn't that mean go and look? Yeah, uh, it has a double meaning. It's not only that mathematical number, but it is also go and look. Uh, yeah, name. At the time when you're googling, you're getting the latest information on what's going on, what's going on around you as well. And a lot of technology, you basically you're googling stuff. It makes it seem basically uh, more realistic and le- and less nerdy. Indeed, because it, it, it's not of of the, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go into uh, Google something and what are you looking at, and, and it, it kind of. Fits in, fits in very well. Now, recently, you've also you've also basically uh, done a, 
you also done a lot of stuff over your career. So what do you think is your most notable achievements? Um, that's a, that's a challenging one. Um, I've, I think I've been, um, I, I think I've helped a lot of entrepreneurial types over their careers, which is the thing that gives me the most satisfaction. Yeah. I've helped a lot of people start and run, uh, businesses and given them, I suppose, uh, sage advice and it gets sager as one goes on. Yeah. Um, I've started and built and sold my own accounting firm. I've invested in a bunch of early stage businesses, some of which have been exited quite successfully, yeah. some of which have gone bust, as you would expect. These these things happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, uh, I've started um, something called the Non-Executive Directors Association, which was, it's not a big achievement, but it's been, a, uh, been an interesting little journey trying to get non-exec directors and mentors into earlier stage companies. Yeah. I think I've really been just uh, amongst the community of entrepreneurs. And uh, it's very difficult to sing one's own praises, I think. But I've got lots of friends in the entrepreneurial world. Well, to me, something like that. I like somebody who's actually been there and invested. And I like the way you said, everything invested didn't turn to go. Some of them didn't work out. And that, to me, is honestly, I admire that. Because, I mean, when you're investing in a business, I like somebody who's willing to invest knowing it mightn't work out, but I, I, I tried. Indeed. Yeah. Well, at, at, at the time, I mean, it's really interesting early stage investing because, you know, the next big thing, you, you always think you're, you're working on the next big thing and it sounds really, really exciting. Um, but then you discover that quite a lot of other people are working on something very similar as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's more than having a vision. You've actually got to execute it. And, and that's the challenging part. And you've got to execute it better than anyone else and often faster, deeper and better than everyone else. So uh, startups, are, are, you know, I absolutely admire uh, all the young entrepreneurs and, and indeed the older ones that start new businesses. But the odds, are, the odds are pretty challenging to build a big business. Yeah, it is. Getting to market first. If you've got other guys doing what you're doing, getting to market first is a hard thing. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Matt, because, I mean, uh, Steve Jobs wasn't a market-first man, was he? What he did was he let other people go to market and fail and then picked up that technology and made it better. Yeah. And then succeeded. Um, yeah, I wrote, a few, I wrote an article about that. I wrote an article where I was at an, at an event full of, uh, of different startups. And I, I, I asked one guy in the room, right, there's the two guys that founded the company. Whose job and who's Wozniak? He goes, what do you mean? We've got to have certain skill sets. If you're both John and both Wozniaks, you're not going to last two minutes in this game because you offer nothing unique. I said, Steve Jobs right. was smart enough to know that I can't program, but he knows enough about programming to know what I can and can't do so you can go and sell it. And he knows enough to go and tell Wozniak, oh, by the way, right now we're using eight chips on the computer. Can you do, do a three or four instead? Can it be done? He goes, I have faith in you. Woz did that. So the next half computer came out, had less chips. And he did all the same thing that when he was back in 1979 in Palo Alto, in Xerox, and he saw the, the GUI, he said, that's the next big thing. I want that. And without him, he wouldn't have it today. And also with fonts, he loved calligraphy. And he was the guy who got fonts on computers. Without that, we wouldn't be where they are now. So in the past 40 years, every computing base that we've done has been Steve Jobs. You look at touch, uh, touch screens. You look at the music yeah. industry, he changed that. Look at laptops. Everything he's done is all basically a hand of Steve Jobs. 
it's been, a, it's been an amazing legacy. Yeah. yeah. And I always look at him, and I, I love his comments, when he always says, stay foolish, stay hungry. That to me, Sunday is a great quote, because it knows that basically, you haven't, once you conquer one thing, you know, the game, and he said earlier, he didn't reinvent things, he just took things and made it better. Like, uh, for example, FaceTime on, 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 on the phone, before that, video recording was clunky. FaceTime, it was simple to use, easy to use. He made it a lot better. And I like that about him. And before uh, the, the iPhone, there were touchscreen computers. They existed. But they weren't, touchscreen uh, phones, but they weren't what they were now. And smartphones were clunky and didn't, couldn't do with it. A lot of them had bought off a screen with, with a keyboard. He yeah. said, I want more real estate. I want more viewing, viewing screen. Get rid of that. And he, he, he always see things that, that we should be doing. And entrepreneurs, so might be, should be able to adapt and change. Yeah, well, I do think that the, the, the what you talked about, and when when you talked about having a phone with a screen, yeah, right, and and the screens used to be much smaller, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, now we've got the whole phone as the screen. But I mean, I think I think before we actually saw them and used them, we all thought, well, how do you how do you look at something that small and actually get anything useful off it? You know, yeah. but it, it's been absolutely amazing how it's uh, how that technology. You remember and how clear it is. Yeah, unbelievable. In the early 2000s, when I was getting the new phone, I was trying to get a smaller bed so it fit in my pocket. Nowadays, I'm going back to bigger phone because I want a bigger screen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's funny that because when I got a, one of my first small phones I got was about that size, and it was a great little phone, Sony phone, fit in a pocket. And for what I was doing it for, I had no camera, I didn't need it, no idea, but. It was just a small phone that, that, that uh, could do what it wanted to do, read text messages and everything else, and play your game here and there. Nothing more than that. Nowadays, your phone is basically your, your computer. So when you're not in the office and you're at home, you're using the, you're using the computer, using your phone as, yeah. a, as a computer. Yeah. You get up in the morning, you want to check your email, you're checking out on your phone. You're applying on your phone. If it's, if it's important, you're applying your phone. If you can wait, you'll do it later on when you have your coffee on your, on your computer, on your laptop or desktop. Yeah. But I mean, I think most of us spend just far too much time on it, on yeah. it, on, on our computers, effectively. Yeah. Uh, which is, as you say, now our phone, and uh, it's a, it's a shame in a way that they've taken over our lives to the extent that they have. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, because they, they they kind of it's quite nice to be able to get away from them occasionally. Yeah, I like when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm able to just turn off and just switch off, and after a while I'm going okay. Through a certain time, if anything appears on my on my on my laptop, my phone, I'm not going to respond to it. I'll wait till the next day because it's not important. Because I think yeah. it, it can wait, and it, and might be lucky it can. And after a certain time of the day, like after seven o'clock at night, I'm thinking, okay, no, not important. It can wait. I can do it in the morning. It's not important because I want to have some me time. And in, and right now during the pandemic, when is your me time? Because you because you you work from home, you're in your home. You, you don't know what, what time is because the hour you had before aren't what you have now. Because your, your computer's nearly always on and you're, you're always working more than you used to work. And when you go for a break before, you used to go for a walk or go and get coffee or lunch. Right now, if you can't do that and you're stuck in an apartment or your house, you can't go and do that. What do you do for your, well, how do you, how do you have your breaks? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's hope it's all coming to an end fairly soon and we can get back to... Uh a slightly more normal environment. Yeah, and hopefully you get back to doing what you do best, which is uh, advising entrepreneurs, because I'm sure what you've done over the years, you've, you've done so much over the years, you can impart some great knowledge and tell them, this is what I've done, 
or recommend you do and reason why I'm saying it is because I've I've done that. I had companies that I built up and sold on, so I've proven I can do it. And I think it's time you, you put your trust in me. Yeah. Yeah. Well I have actually I suppose you asked me about my greatest achievement. You know, I'm not very good at singing my own praises, but I did write a book. Yeah. And uh, it's a big book actually. It's about ninety five thousand words. Um, it's called From Vision to Exit, and it's the entire entrepreneur's story in terms of how you build a business from scratch. And there are 18 chapters on how you build it, and then there is one chapter on how you sell it. Yeah. Um, and my first question in the, in, in, in the chapter on how you sell it is why would you sell the best business you'll ever own? Yeah. And, uh, you know, because a lot of people think that they can be serial entrepreneurs and build business after business after business. And someone like Steve Jobs can, right? Yeah. Uh, as he proved. But most of us aren't quite that talented. And uh, when you've got a business and you've spent years and years trying to build it up and make it successful, uh, you can often get to the stage where you get disillusioned with it. Yeah. And so many entrepreneurs sell their businesses at just the wrong moment. Yeah. Right? They just think, oh, I've just had enough. I've struggled and I've sweated and I've you know, not taking my holidays. I've spent hours and hours in the office. Some bloke comes along and offers them something for it. And uh, and they take it, and it's absolutely the worst decision they could ever make. Imagine if you're the owner of Zoom, and two years ago exactly. you sold the business. And look at it. Exactly. Was, something like that. Yeah, yeah looking like, something I mean, like that. I mean, look at this little, like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, when he, when he bought in Pixar Pictures, that was a smart investment, and it, that turned out very well. And then when he did Next Computer, Next Computer never actually did anything that actually made him a lot of money. But that was a computer that was used by Tim Berners-Lee to develop the internet. So in, in a sense, you think back, that might have done well, but without everything we've done in the past 40 years right now, it's all basically, it's got so many Steve Jobs involved in the background somewhere. And I like an entrepreneur that actually has that, that can say, actually, things I've done, I mightn't have, have really done things, but... If you look at the tech that's involved, my fingerprints are all, are all over it. And if you yeah. can say that, and and that to me is, is shows you you've done a great job. <laughs> yeah. And as cool. you said, you said basically one chapter in your book is about selling it. I think that I think that that goes to show how hard it is to build a business up and keep it successful. Where selling it is probably the easy bit, in certain ways. I think that's true. Actually, uh, I mean, value is obviously subjective. It can be. It, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. But, um, but no, the, the saddest thing for me is seeing people exit businesses too soon. Yeah. Uh, because there is this kind of built-to-sell mentality these days. People start a business with a sale in mind. I know and, that's sad. And, and actually, you know, that doesn't normally bode for a good business because, you know, they're, they're not actually focusing on building a great business. I always say to people... If you build a great business, you'll be able to sell it, right? So don't think about the sale. Think about building a great business because then you'll have options. Yeah, I've seen entrepreneurs and, who do that, and their aim is just basically, their aim is just to sell the business. Build it up yeah. and then sell it and move on. I'm thinking, no, that's not going that's, that's true. But um, I think it's particularly true of first-time entrepreneurs, yeah. people who, um, you know, if you're lucky enough to do it more than once, if you're lucky, one of, one of those guys that can be a serial entrepreneur, then you might think twice about selling on too soon on the second occasion. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you've probably paid off your mortgage and, you know, put some money in the bank on the first sale. 
So the urgency isn't there on the second one, and you can spend a bit more time thinking about it. Yeah, I've seen guys that do that, that have a business, that their view is within five years, sell out, get the money, and then move on to something else. I'm thinking yeah. the hard bit is how do you get any business going? Because you've got to get something new you need going. So being a certain entrepreneur is something that you can't just grow in trees. You've got to be good at it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think a lot of businesses take a lot longer than five years to grow to any kind of maturity. Yeah. You know? I agree. Um, so there are startup entrepreneurs. There are guys who literally <coughs> go around creating stuff and trying to sell it straight away because they realize they're not business builders. Yeah. <coughs> but there are quite a lot of people out there who are capable of going a lot further than they, than they do. Yeah. Um, the, the sad part is that they never get a chance because they sell too early and then they can't repeat that success. Oh, look at Richard Branson. If he stole early, he wouldn't be where he is now. That's true. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's the guy I admire for what he's done over the years with businesses. He's managed to build up an empire and then at the right time he'd sell. Like I remember in the late 80s, he wanted to improve his, his airline business and he hadn't got the money. He says, oh, if I go to bank and borrow money from the bank, the bank's going to charge me interest rate of this much. If I go and sell in the stock market, I can get that money and use it to, to buy planes. And if it works out, great. If not, what have I lost? Nothing. So he did that. And within about four or five years, he made enough money to buy back all the stock. So it was privately owned again for a while. And I kind of admired where he did that. Because it was cheaper than going to the bank. Now he's a great, he's a great entrepreneur. Um, yeah, no doubt about that. He's dyslexic as well. So yeah. that's another tick in the box yeah. for all these all these people and it's it's really extraordinary some of the traits you see but um just absolute belief in their capability to build a business yeah, yeah. it's fabulous and to watch also over the years he's made some mistakes he's done things like virgin cola which didn't do that well but everyone's every entrepreneur has is allowed an off day and he's done that but he's bounced back up and still managed to do what he's doing now and i admire him for that yeah and yeah well but, i i I hope he gets through all this, uh, the pandemic, okay, because the airline business is definitely not doing well at the moment. Yeah, but I think he, I think that merged some, yeah, he's got a small stake in it now, I think he's lucky enough that he managed to get out of that a, a big I, time. I think so, but he has, I think he's put some personal money back in, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that, that's, I don't know that, but yeah. that's my understanding, I'm pretty sure. But also, a bit like you, he's willing to uh, go the extra mile, and he's done, like, over years, different challenges, like boat races and, and balloon stuff. Like finding balloons, and you're doing this Tasker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, which kind of kind of thing. Right. Well, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Company, that's my next big thing. Yeah, yeah kind of thing he would have done over the years, and he's done. So in a way, you're kind of doing what Branson would have done. So yeah. how did that come about? Well, so listen, about uh, two or three years ago, I thought um, I can't just go on. I'm getting older. I can't just go on doing what I do. You know, it's, something's got to change. Yeah, and I had these friends who've done real things in their life, like gone and caught cod in the North Sea and, you know, put food on the table and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, I'd like to do something real and, and I need to move on. So I tried to think about what I could, um, what I could do. So I stepped back uh, in April this year from my main role at Smith & Williamson, where I was a partner, and became a consultant, freed up some time. And I thought, well, I need to do something real. I need to give something back. What can I do? Can't climb a mountain because that would terrify me. Yeah. I can't do 40 marathons back to back because I couldn't physically achieve that. But I could probably row an ocean. So I started looking into that. And yeah. uh, what I've just 
discovered is that this Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, which is a 3,000 mile row from the Canaries across to the uh, across to Antigua, the West Indies. Um, and uh, I'm rowing in the Entrepreneurship. The, the team name is the Entrepreneurship. Yeah. And uh, we are raising money to find, fund, and support social entrepreneurs through a foundation called uh, Unlimited. Actually, it's the Foundation for Social Entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I'm doing something real, giving something back, um, and it's all looking pretty exciting. And as it gets closer, pretty terrifying, one yeah. must say. I find I, I can find it daunting doing that. I could not do that row across the Atlantic like that, especially as I'm not a great yeah. swimmer as well. Yeah, well, there you are. Well, we have the added bonus that, assuming we get there, we will be the oldest pair ever to row in the ocean. So uh, that will be our Guinness uh, Book of Records achievement yeah and that that's amazing impressive but i look at that right now i'm thinking guys must have balls still to do this so you must be nuts because i could not do that even attempt to do that and i could want to climb a mountain to some extent and do that but then again for me climbing mountain is not like a like a, a the mount everest it's climbing mountain where you don't use uh where you don't have to use ropes and all that that's something that <laughs> easy like maybe snowden yeah well, the beauty of an ocean, I mean, you, you know, there's a, there's a bit of risk associated with yeah. it, but you don't, you you know, and in theory, the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge is a race, but we're not really treating it like that. What we're looking at is, you know, we want to get, we want to, uh, we want to have fun, um, if that's possible. Uh, we want to get there safely uh, in a reasonable time, so... We don't want to be uh, overtaken by the guy wearing the rhinoceros outfit, you know. We hope we'll do a good job on that, but we really want to raise a lot of money for the charity. And, and, and if we achieve all those things, get there safely, break a record and raise a lot of money for the charity, that ticks a lot of boxes for me. And I guess right now technology is going to be helped because if, if any time you, you get stuck or lost, help will be there within minutes or hours rather than days. Well... Yes, I mean, I, I'm not sure. You know, I think it could still be days. It's a big ocean. Yeah. Um, but, but at least we'll be able to alert people because yeah. we have a, an automatic identification system on the boat so people will know where we are. Yeah. We'll have satellite phones and uh, communications tools. We'll have um, beacons that we can set off in the event we get into trouble Yeah. Uh, so that people can find us. But still... It's a huge expanse of ocean, you know. A lot of people leave the Canaries and don't see another boat, ship, or aircraft until they get to within 25 miles of Antigua. Yeah. Um, and it, it's 3,000 miles and 60-odd days, you know. That's going to be tough on, on your arms and legs, all that all the rowing. It's going to be tough on my bum, actually. Yeah. Else. I can imagine. <laughs> and, and the worst thing I can imagine is how often do you change your, your clothing because you're sweating and is it going to be cold at night or warm at night? How do you manage to keep that in mind as well? Well, you, you wash, I mean, you, you're going to wash it out a lot because yeah. you get very salty. You get a lot of breaking waves yeah. coming over you. Um, the regime is, is pretty brutal. It's two hours on, two hours off, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. So you're rowing for 12 hours a day. Uh, that means you need to eat five or six thousand calories a day, and I, I don't know whether you know what five or six thousand calories looks like, but it's an awful lot of food. Yeah. And and you're going to be drinking ten liters of water a day, 
And, um, and even if you do all of that, you're probably going to lose 10 to 15 kilograms over the period of the run yeah. uh, of body weight. So, yeah, it's really all about, you know, keeping yourself clean, keeping yourself as, as, uh, as well-fed and watered as you can, trying not to uh, incur an injury, which is easier said than done when you're being thrown around in an ocean rowboat. Yeah. You know, you're going to get bruises and things, but you want to try and avoid cutting yourself and everything because they don't heal up well. Yeah, in that in that environment, and uh, but we take a full medical kit. We take a water maker. We've got dried food. Um, this year was quite exciting because in the race this year, uh, one guy was asleep in his uh, in the in the in the cabin. They were actually in a in a four man boat. Yeah, we're in a two man boat. They were in a four man boat, and um, a blue marlin was chasing fish around under the boat, and he drove up under the boat and a, about a, a one foot, 30, 30 centimeter spike a, arrived in between this guy's legs as he was asleep yeah. in the uh, in the forward cabin. Had it been a couple of feet further up, it would have killed him. <laughs> oh, that's not good. So we're hoping not to have any of that. Yeah, and I guess you're going to be the one, only guys who sailed in the pandemic and guaranteed you won't get COVID. Because in the past, staying in that, you were in a petri dish, whereas there's just two of you now, you're guaranteed you're safe. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, this year's race again, of course, they set off right in the middle of the pandemic and they arrived in one as well because yeah. they, they, they've only just finished. So it's been a bit of an unusual year. Hopefully by the time we set off in December, things will have been, become a little bit more normal and all the signs are good, aren't they, with this vaccination yeah. uh, seeming, seeming to have a remarkable effect on hospitalizations and everything. Yeah, and I guess at the moment... With that basically, would them become more mighty back then? You've had more chance to actually go out and about and practice, whereas before you might have couldn't have couldn't have done that much of that. Well, that's that's what you mean. You get ready for the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, so our training regime. I mean, we've we, me and my rowing partner, we've started to try to get as fit as we can in in sort of more normal ways, like sitting on rowing machines and everything. We haven't yet been able to go out. Uh, on the water because that's been kind of banned. Yeah. Uh, but but that's surely going to be lifted and then we'll be able to go out and train in the boat. We actually took delivery of our boat um, yesterday. That's good. So so she's she's uh, she's now waiting for us to to go out and row her and uh, yeah, it's all getting pretty exciting, really. So I guess at the moment you've just been at home uh, practicing and uh, row machines. You can't get in exactly. the water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the other thing is the funding. You know, I mean, uh, part of the part of the success of this thing will be in terms of how much money we can raise. We're yeah. doing pretty well on that. We've paid for the trip so far, and um, we're probably about seventy thousand pounds ahead for the charity. So originally, when I started this off, I thought, oh, we'd do it for. We'd be good if we could raise one hundred fifty thousand. Well, now I'm sort of setting my sights on much, much more. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll get that because what you're doing right now in a normal year is, is, is an achievement in itself, but to do it during a pandemic is even better. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, because of my past history and working with entrepreneurs, I know a lot of entrepreneur networks. And uh, as a name check, I don't know whether I'm allowed a name check, but uh, there's a big crowdfunding company 
uh, called Crowd Cube. Yeah. That most people would know, um, and uh, they're one of my main sponsors. As is Smith and Williamson, my old firm. Yeah, that's good. But Crowd Cube are going to um, are going to promote us to their kind of three hundred thousand investors. And I'm hoping we're going to get the stage where where we get a little shout out saying, "Come on, give a pound, get them up to half a million, You know. Yeah. Um, and that would be that'd be fantastic if that happens. I'm sure it will because be... some of the work the charity does is amazing. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll you'll get that achievement and get more money than you, you expected because of what you're doing. And during a pandemic, to do what you're doing is impressive. People are going to go, "Wow, he's doing that during during a during a year when we're not doing much." And you get resilience to go out and, and just do something different. And and something we look forward to seeing a guy doing this. And when he gets to the other side of the uh, world to Antigua, hopefully when he gets there, it'll be normal life because there'll be no more COVID because of vaccinations. It'll be back to normal life again. Well, we hope so. Yeah. We certainly hope so. Yeah. Because you're I don't think uh, this, this, this time last year, I don't think we were, we were thinking we'd still be in this situation today. No. Um... So, you know, and this time today, we don't think we're going to be in this situation next year. And, and indeed, there are good signs that we're not going to be. But there are no guarantees, right? Because things can go wrong. It can be setbacks. Yeah. We might have some new variant or something. But, uh, but right now, I think we're looking, looking pretty positive. The and world's right, looking like it might be a happier place. Yeah, and right now, I'm looking what you're doing. You're giving people a sense of happiness and something to look forward to. They're going... Well, if we're living in a pandemic and we can't do much, and this guy, guy, and his partner is willing to go halfway around the world and uh, rowing, anything can yeah. be done. You're giving them positivity. Well, that's good. We, we'd like to inspire a few people. And if people are interested in following uh, us, all of our social channels, are, if I'm allowed to yeah. t- say, are, are on our website, which is uh, www.theentrepreneurship.co.uk. Yeah. Um, so that's our. That's our website. Um, and also on Facebook, there's something called the Dot Watchers. Yeah. And um, as I mentioned, every boat has a little tracker on it. So you can you can see where it is and you can go on the Dot Watchers on Facebook and you can register and put the name of the boat you want to follow. And, and then you can see our progress as we row 3,000 miles across the Atlantic. Yeah, that's going to be worth watching because I, I like seeing so many, like years ago, I loved Bern Branson. And uh, the American guy, I think it was Steve Foster, the American guy was doing things with blues and, and being daredevils. And I like seeing that again because they were actually also doing stuff for charity, but also showing what a great entrepreneur is. Somebody's willing to go the extra mile, which is what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You're not taking these. You're not, at your age, you could be sitting at home and relaxing, but you're not. You're willing to do something a bit different. And I admire that, what you're doing for charity and how you're helping uh, Entrepreneurs. You never give up. You never want to give up, do you? As long as you're fit enough, you know, it's good to be occupied and doing something, right? Yeah, because you want to be sitting at home just having your cocoa moment and watching whatever you're watching TV. You're going to be able to go out and enjoy yourself and do think you're 30 years younger. Exactly. Yeah, well, I feel 30 years younger. You, you look at it as well. You don't, you, don't look the, <laughs> you don't look the age you are, and, it, and I think time has been, has been good to you. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm lucky. Lucky jeans, is that what yeah. I say? You're Something lucky, like that. And, I, and I think your lucky jeans are going to extend you. You're going to do well in this, and even if you don't win the race, taking part is what counts, and you've done that and got to decide that's more important to me. 
Well, it would be lovely to win the race, but but I don't think that's an even. I don't think we're even uh, thinking about that. No, you know, we're we're thinking about a safe crossing, uh, getting there, uh, and uh, and hopefully, you know, getting a bit of publicity and raising quite a lot of money for this charity, and, yeah. and that that would that would make it a success for us. And then when you get to the other side, the first thought is going to be, I want a nice stiff drink, I want a nice bed, and lovely a lovely cooked meal. Very. Exactly that, and that's pretty much exactly what you get. Yeah, I don't like going into like one of those jungle shows. You're actually doing something that is that is something they can never do. It's more uh, takes more resilience, more, and you got to make sure your mental mental strength is there as well to do this. I think the mental strength. I mean, you know, we're doing something that we've never tried to do. I mean, I've never done anything anything like this before. So. So both physically and mentally, it's very difficult to have a, any kind of idea about how we're going to be impacted by it. Um, I mean, apparently in the first week or so, we're almost certain to be very, very ill, yeah. very seasick. Um, and we're likely to lose an enormous amount of weight in that first week. And we'll be hallucinating, apparently. Yeah. So most people say. And, uh, you know, all your sense of judgment will go. And then hopefully, you know, you settle into some kind of routine. Um, and then there's the danger of big storms coming through. Yeah. Uh, which case, you know, you put out like a, an underwater parachute and uh, so that the boat doesn't go in the wrong direction for too much. And then you just uh, get in your cabin and shut the door and sit there for a few days while you get blown to God knows where. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that can happen. Um yeah, so there's, there's, and, and then of course there's the kind of sharks and marlins and whales and everything else that come along, and there've been there've been a few boats that have been uh, accompanied by whales for a week and uh, rammed into by sharks. One one team last year uh, phoned their safety officer and said, um, "We got the shark hanging around; uh, keeps coming up." And, hitting the boat what should we do and the guy the guy said well why don't you hit it with an oar so um they hit it with an oar and the shark bit the oar in half Ooh. so so, uh, so it's not all plain sailing in fact it's not sailing at all is it it's rowing but yeah i'm thinking of, <laughs> of the quote in jaws we're going to need a bigger boat <laughs> that's kind of something that, that would scare me when you know you're in the water and you haven't got the equipment there like a, a spear or whatever to shoot at the sharks you don't expect that. No, no, there's nothing. Uh, I mean, you, we do have to go overboard once a week uh, to clean the bottom of the boat because you wouldn't believe it, but it, it actually grows all sorts of uh, barnacles and, you yeah. know, stuff on the bottom of the boat in a very short period of time. So you definitely need a lookout when you're doing that. Yeah, that's kind of the thing that basically, uh, I suppose that's the bad side of a job of doing that. You also, the good thing is you get all the heroics. I've done this, I've done that. But the bad side is you've got to screw the bottom of the boat in a shark infested waters, maybe. Well, we, we hope not. We, yeah. we, as I say, we're going to be looking around for a bit of that. But I might get my fellow rowing partner to do that. Yeah. That'll be, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that something can be arranged. Yeah. Well, he's a bit younger than me, so I told him he's doing the rowing and I'm doing the cooking. Yeah. <laughs> as long as the food's good, you, you'll be okay. Yeah. No, well, that's another thing, of course. Yeah, food yeah. is all dried up, and we'll 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 have to see how that goes. So it's a bit like going into space, like space food. Yeah, what they have. Yeah, well, actually, um, 
interestingly, the nearest human that we'll have next to us for, for quite a lot of time is the International Space Station, people yeah. on the International Space Station. So. Hopefully they'll be tracking, tracking you and see how you're doing. That'd be nice if we get a new from space. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's unlikely, but we'll probably see them whizzing over every now and again. Yeah, and that, that might give you hope that uh, they're up there in middle of space, middle of nowhere, like you, but at least with you, if you want to escape and get out of it, you can call somebody and say, can you pick, pick us up? And Rado, if they did it, they'd be waiting to get a record launch to go up and pick them up. Whereas with you guys, it won't be as bad. won't be as long. I'll wait. Uh, yeah. No. We shall see anyway. But it's, uh, anyway, it's, it's a big challenge. And uh, we'll have to see. Uh, we, neither of us yet know how we're going to cope with it. Yeah. Um, you know, all we're trying to do is get as fit, physically fit as we possibly can. And uh, spend as much time on the boat now, from now on until the race starts, as we can, so that we understand every last inch of it yeah. and how we can repair things that break. And uh, you know, because if you're out in the middle of the ocean and your water maker breaks down, then that's you know you need to know how to fix it. Yeah. So I guess basically overall, you're you're looking forward to a, a challenging uh, next twelve months. And by this time next year, hopefully, you'll be close to land or, or near Antigua itself, hopefully. Hopefully, we'll be there and we can have another conversation. I'll tell you how it went. Yeah, that'd be great. And on that note, I'll, I'll say goodbye, good luck, Guy, and uh, good luck in it with, with the running. I hope it works out for you very well and you raise all the money you're looking for and more, and it works out well for you. Thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks. Take care. Okay. Then. Bye. See you bye. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. bye. And now, a word from our sponsor, Agora Pulse. We know how hard it is to juggle all the things in your business. Accounts, meetings, the never-ending inbox. That's why we've teamed up with Agora Pulse to give you more than five hours back a week when it comes to managing your social media marketing. No complicated Excel docs, long emails, or millions of open tabs. Simply manage all your social media channels in one place. Go to www.agorapulse.com forward slash Irish Tech News to get one month free. Now all you have to do is figure out how you want to spend those spare five hours. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore Tech News. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.